0: at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Shock Your Potential, the business podcast where I focus on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. Today is a part two of an interview I aired a few weeks ago with Frank Swoboda and Corner Booth Media. And the reason I had to split this into two was because we had so much information and so much great dialogue that I knew that very few of you were going to sit through it for over an hour. (laughs) So let's see how this goes. When we pick up this conversation, I want to uh, give a little preface because we're going to be talking about uh, more about social media, which is where we ended the, First episode and especially about Facebook marketing. I think it's very poignant because just in the last couple days, and now by the time this airs, it will be a couple weeks, since we learned of new issues with Facebook and our data. And the funny thing is, is although it's amazing to me what can be done, I'm not surprised by it. And I even I think because I am such a vast consumer. Um, I kind of enjoy the fact that sometimes ads are directed exactly towards me. Now, do I want to have all my data manipulated to uh, teach me or tell me how to vote? No, Um, but I don't think that, uh, that I fall into that category, and many of you don't as well. But take this information and listen to it from a perspective of, you know, what does this really mean and what is my responsibility? And what is my acceptance of of what I have going on in the media? And I think that you'll find that Frank's message resonates at the core that it does for me. We're going to start by talking about campfires and what we gather around as human beings, because it used to be the TV, the family time, the dinner table. And we all know that's not where we gather anymore. We gather in social media platforms to interact on a different level. I don't think it's bad. I think it's different. And I think our awareness of it and our discussion of it can be something that can really have great applications for us as long as we're aware. So join me as we go into the second half, and I guarantee this is worth the listen. So Frank, you know, we've been talking about, you know, social media and where people live and you know this idea of where we gather together you know can you help me to you know learn a little bit more about that and what does that mean for our applications today and every day
1: the average viewing time on facebook every day is 40 minutes the average viewing time on youtube is 40 minutes the average television show minus ads is 40 minutes we we now have replaced television Right? We've taken the time we used to watch television, which we don't do, We unless for these specialty campfires that we kind of gather around, mostly live sports or live events. Otherwise, we get our television. We're still getting television. We're just getting it from Facebook and YouTube. We've just shifted how our focus on how we reach people. That's all. And they are still crave community. They still crave good stories. They still want to watch something that engages them and moves them and is authentic. And that's the stuff we create. We create stories for brands that are authentic and real, that talk about love <laughs> and talk about the things that we crave the most.
0: You and I both know that we miss some personal interactions by how, di- I guess, addicted we are to our devices. So, you know, talk a little bit more about that.
1: Biggest thing that has happened to all of us is this technology has emerged and changed, and we live on our phone. I mean, 80-plus percent of the people who use Facebook every day are doing it on their phone. Uh, and our content is all pushed towards the phone. The biggest thing that we crave more than anything is community. We miss this. You and I, that's what podcasts are working right? You and I get to catch up and chat. How many times do we see people that that I, you know, I ran into somebody uh, in the Tri-City area of, of Washington a couple hours from here this week. I was, I was you know – uh, scouting for a new campaign and and walked in, and we're talking to some people. This lady walks in and is like, Oh my god, it's Missy Webster. I went to go with her. What are you doing down here? You know, like those interactions don't happen that much. And then, well, uh, that's like, that's what they used to. We don't get gather for Sunday dinner anymore. You know, this is our. We've sort of, I think we've sort of said, oh, well, hey, I can catch up with Michael and what's going on because i read her post and I liked it. I made some, some comment and I wished her happy birthday and I checked the box of connection and it's not real. It's not the real stuff that we crave. So these stories become, from our end, the chance to share that more. And and I'm telling you, we we crave it and we want that.
0: So, you know, you do this all the time with businesses, you know, <laughs> what does it look like what do you call it how do you do this
1: strategic work we do we call strategic story planning and it is it is absolutely business planning you know if i told people that hey we're going to do some business planning with you they would go what are do you do? what are you talking about you're like you know like mr video creative advertising marketing guy why would i be doing that but every time we do it and we take an organization through it they always say oh my gosh that was really that helped our whole business because you have to deal with what are the business goals for us to be able to tell the story right to the right audience that will help those metrics change, you know.
0: So you have a lot of power. I mean, you're telling stories, but this is this is powerful in terms of helping businesses not only to identify their message and the story they want told, but to actually, you know, live it through, you know, the mediums that you produce
1: a lot of my career, and, and I get the chance to, to walk into places nobody gets to go because I got a camera crew, right? Like, they let us go anywhere. If you've seen the movie Argo, it's totally true. Like, why the hell do we have access right now? Should we not be, like, we're security. Why are they just, I, like, I could have a newsie in this tripod bag, but I don't. It's changed a little, but I don't, honestly, I mean, we get to go anywhere. So I, I've had the pleasure and the privilege to, to to walk into headquarters of some amazing brands. And and crazy diverse brands, Ben and Jerry's, Starbucks, and work there for three days and see the culture and live it. Ben and Jerry's, Starbucks, Nike, Twitter. got a chance to film there a few years ago. That was really, really incredible. And, And so, I mean, every one of them is really, really diverse. And I've had a chance to work at like a defense contractor or two. I got to work at walk into Walmart headquarters because we did a security video for them. And I'm trying the one that threw me, the one I couldn't think of, is 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 a huge kind of defense contractor. And I was there because we were doing a security piece for them too, and trying to keep their executives safe. Really cool project. And and you get a feeling when you walk into every one of these places, right? There is a feeling when I walk into any any organization, right? Nonprofit, for-profit, whatever. I get a feeling when I walk in there. And when I walk into Ben & Jerry's, so fun, like fun. Like the first thing you see is a freaking slide where anybody can go down it. You're met at the door by this sort of, she passed away, unfortunately, but we got to test a test meet her before she passed away. This sort of legendary lady that was super caustic. You know, she would like, <laughs> she would, she'd answer the phone, you know, haggadahs. And she would, you know, just just like flip you crap, basically. And super fun and really nice and fantastic. And we were we did a profile of a guy named Sean Greenwood. who's one of my favorite people in the world. And and Sean is the coolest man in the world. And he is the the his title, official his title of Benadryl is this Grand Poobah of PR. But he's met everybody you can think of. You walk in his office and he has this big sign. Kind of Ben and Jerry's replica of of one of their you know ice creams, and it is the Elton John flavor, and it's signed personally. You know, dear Sean, thanks for all the help, Sir Elton. You know, I mean, it's just like, dude, he's met everybody, he's super generous, really cool. We we're still really good friends. We stay in touch over time.
0: Wow, I mean, not only is that awesome to have a uh, a poster signed by Elton John, but. You know, I love what you're talking about with, you know, the feel of a company, because every company does have its own feel, its own vibe. And and many of them, well, hopefully many of them, you know, really cultivate that and try for that. But some of them also find it accidentally. So it's interesting
1: that you're sharing this. When you walk in there, that's the feeling you get of fun, right? Um, when I go to Nike, competitive, but cool, <laughs> but competitive. Um, when I go to Twitter, it was was um, isolated, right? It, it's a pod. You walk in there, these people never leave this place. They can't afford to live in San Francisco. So they never leave that place. And it's very insular. You know, like it's everybody's, you know, I was the oldest guy by far in that entire building. I swear to God, I was 47. And they're all walking really busy and the, the best chefs in the world, you know, and it is a fascinating environment. But, you never. You, you, I really felt like you're in a bubble. You know, you know, you never leave that place because I can't afford to get a lot. The only problem I can get is, you know, like one bedroom. So why not just be here? It's more fun. I get all my food. I can exercise. Here, I can massage. I can, I never have to leave. I can work all the time. And that's a really interesting world. Right. And that's kind of what you get when you think of that brand. Like, I don't know, what do they really do? How do they make money? <laughs> that's sort of what I thought. Like, why do these guys make money? When, you know, and, and when I went to the defense contractor and, you know, walked in there, intimidation.
0: Yeah. So again, it's, you know, like we were talking about, like, you know, doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just, it's just what a company, I guess, you know, sometimes it can be good or bad. It's, it's just about what a company is, uh, you know, what they're creating is their culture, um, what they're creating in the environment and then how you feel it when you're there. And then how do you take that? And how do you incorporate that into the message that, you know, the story you're trying to tell? I mean, it's pretty interesting.
1: Hell yeah. But every one of them had a feeling to it. And I I really strongly believe that the feeling that you create in your physical environment as a headquarters is the same feeling that your brand generates.
0: Well, I know that I've found in the different businesses and executives I've worked with that, you know... that's sometimes very eye opening. You know, do you do you see what your environment is and how that impacts you know your your customer experience? You know, how your company is viewed, but also, you know, your uh, your your corporate identity, your
1: story. Right. And I I think we have to really rethink about when we talk about how the projection that we make. What is it like really to experience the place that we're at? And and that is the, that's the that's the authentic story that gets told. So
0: it must be fun. I mean, you get to see a lot of different people, but, you know, I mean, what if you come across a story that you don't necessarily want to tell? I mean, that's got to happen sometimes, I assume.
1: That, that's one piece of thing that we always think about as an organization is who are we going to work with where we can actually tell that story? well, um, and, and it's in line with us as a team because we're not a big shop. You know, there's, there's under 10 of us here and, and we pick and choose who we work with, which is really cool, too. Because the feeling of the brand and the feeling of the place is the most important thing we have.
0: So, Frank, one of the questions that I ask everybody is, you know, looking back, knowing what you know now, and looking back on your life, your career, you know, specifically, you know, your business and, and how these things play together in your life, you know, what kind of advice would you give to your younger self if you could talk to that Frank, you know, would you tell him to do something different to Zig instead of Zag, like the Zags? Uh, would you, uh, you know, tell him to keep on the path? You know, what, what piece of information, what guidance would you
1: give him? I instantly want to say trust, that I would trust myself more, trust my gut more and realize that I'm probably the only one that can do what I do the way I do it. You know, I kind of know that now, but I, when I started, first started, I worked for a pretty big pr- production company making, you know, lots of stuff. There were 40 people there. It was cranking. We were making movies, TV shows, you know, lots of commercials and it was sort of big corporate videos. You know, it was a really dynamic place and I was, it was perfect for me. You know, I mean, I killed it. I did really well. I had a lot of really great clients and great stories that I did. And I grew up to, and then ended up spinning off and starting my own company 17 years ago, almost now almost 18. Um, but I, I thought everybody could do what I did. And actually, the guys I worked for thought they could just find anybody like, oh, we just we just did another Frank. We'll be fun. <laughs> There's no other Frank. I, and I, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't. I really didn't know that. And I think everybody has that. If you can find a thing that you love to do that doesn't seem like work, <laughs> doesn't seem like you're doing work. Like I do not work a day in my life. I mean I spend a lot of time doing things. And I, I wish I was with my family more probably right now. But that will happen. You know, I'll, get, I'm, I'll get on that because I'm traveling more than I used to. But 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 I every day, every client, everything I do, I absolutely love to do because it just doesn't seem like work. You know, I, I like know how to do lots of things really well, and I can do it all myself. But it's not fun for me to do that. Like, I want to do the few things really well that I'm great at, and and really turn over and trust the rest of that to an amazing team that loves to do what they do.
0: So, Frank, with um with all you have going and uh, the kind of future and trajectory of your company, you know, what's the biggest challenge you face right now? And you know, with the biggest challenge, you know, how are you tackling it? And how do you know that once you, um overcome it once you you know master it that you will have really shocked your potential for yourself and your business faster
1: well, in 2008 i had owned corner for i think you know seven eight years something like that and i and i bought out my business partner and it wasn't super smooth but we got through it and i had had 12 people that worked for me the year before that okay 2008 this is when the crash hits the economy's horrible so if you had to pick the worst day to start a business (laughs) or restart a business it was you know like you know june 2008 and and i'm i'm sitting there with what used to be 12 people there's now four of us and i and the four i just said i knew in my gut i got six months six months or we're out of business if I can't generate and you know figure out how to do this. And so I got a whiteboard, which is one of my best friends. I'm looking at one right now. It's our magic whiteboard. Everything that happens on it, it comes true. It's seriously magic. Um, and, and I got on my team and I just said, what the hell do you do? Who does what here? Like, let's just figure out what the hell we do, because it is triage right now. And we, we went through a process where we, we've now, and I've now you know, turned this into a really cool facilitation that I do with my clients called Circle Plus Minus. And we look at everything that you do in your life, your, your work life, right? You write it down. So I'm like, hey, Michael, what do you do? Tell me what you do. If you had to tell me what you do right now, what do you do?
0: Well, I, I answer by saying I develop leaders and sales professionals
1: all over the globe. That's awesome! God, I don't want to do that. You're, you're my hero. I totally want your job. So when you when if you sat with me for you know an hour, right, you would you would have a list that's probably ten or ten or twelve things. I mean, this is typically what happens. I like to do this with a group of people that also work with. I usually do this with a team. It's a really great kind of team group. How do I get our group to be awesome? Experience. So then the rest of us, you know, went. Okay, now what does Michael do? Oh boy, that could be interesting because we're working with her every day and that list swear to god every time doubles because you and i and all of us who work every day with the team particularly have no idea what we do half of what we do we don't even realize we do we haven't really sat down to go oh yeah i guess i do do that you're right oh my god
0: oh yes (laughs) that list could be very long i
1: suppose Right. So we make that list that there's something about that point. I always draw a line. This is the point in which you remember this part. And you don't remember this. You're not conscious of it. Right. That tells me something right away. Like hmm, maybe the lower part of this is so great. You know, let's figure out how to deal with that. So then we circle the the things that we love to do that we might even do if we didn't get paid. There are passion things. They will, they will light us up that why we're here. We circle those and then we put a plus next to the stuff we don't mind doing. No, I don't mind doing laundry. I actually kind of like it. It's the one thing I can get accomplished in the day, and my wife does not And it's like, okay, I can do. I can listen to Michael's podcast and get laundry.
0: Absolutely, it gives you a great chance to listen to my podcast.
1: So, sort of god, seriously, and then a minus next to the stuff you hate to do, or you. This is the best part, you secretly con yourself into thinking that you actually are good at, but as somebody else could do, like a hundred times better, ten times, hundred times faster. Right? I can do that. Yeah, you can do it. Well, why the hell are you doing that? Like it's the stupidest thing to spend your time on. And then we we look at your life and, and we kinda look at those and, and then we as a team try to figure out how do we get rid of the minuses. So that's what I do with my team. We do it every year. We just did it this week. It's like, hey, see all these minuses we got? Wow. Hey, your minus, Tyler, might be my plus. And it maybe it's not a circle, but I'll take the pluses. So what if my life was just circles and pluses? It'd be pretty great. And, and the work that I've done with organizations, the biggest part of this that, that I've always noticed is the people who run the organization or manage the team or at the top of the organization, the more service they have and the less of them that they do, the better.
0: Hmm. I mean, that's brilliant. It would keep things cleaner in a sense and definitely more focused.
1: Right. The better the organization, the more money they make, the more profitable they make, the more prosperous they are, the happier everybody is. Because I did this strictly out of sheer desperation to stay in business. And I was determined to not go to work every day at a place I hated. I wanted to love where I work and I want to just do the stuff I love. So when we look at that, you know, that, uh, I always tell people, the inspiration for me is a guy named Don Hewitt. And Don was the guy that, that invented 60 minutes, created that show. Right. He did the, he, he produced the Nixon Kennedy debate, famous debate in the sixties as a young, Buck, right? Working for CBS or whoever, working for CBS. And they tried to fire him. And the best way of firing him, because he was too hot shot, was they gave him a sh- his own show and let him create whatever he wanted, because they knew it would fail.
0: I love it. <laughs> That's what great punishment. Go have a show out of your own.
1: <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> and so it works with the network, trust me. and And he didn't know any better, but to make it work. And he figured it out. He goes, they want to see me fail. Right, the only TV show outside of The Simpsons that's been on the top ten for 35 years straight is not is a new show called 60 Minutes. Still, wow i
0: I had no idea.
1: Don Hewitt was the coolest dude in the world, and he's my hero. And and the re- there's a great show called you can get it on on YouTube. It's called 90 Minutes on 60 Minutes, and it takes it back. And Don has passed away now, but this was 10 or 15 years ago. Mike Wallace was still there, you an know, old guy. And and they took a look at how 60 Minutes operates. Why is it so great? It's sort of the secret sauce behind it. Everybody there goes, I hate Don Hewitt, but I love Don Hewitt. I'm like, why do you hate Don Hewitt? Because he doesn't do anything. He does three things. This is what Don Hewitt does. The most successful organization maybe ever, <laughs> anywhere, he does three things. He comes in on Tuesday, <laughs> doesn't work on Monday. He comes in on Tuesday. He sits down and watches the shows right? and watches the segments. And goes, that sucks. Change that. That one's not ready. Fix this. Do that. That one's pretty good. I'll come back on Friday. Comes back on, comes back on go, go, you know, Golfing with the president or whatever the hell. Fights. Doesn't even have to fight with, with the and network anymore because they, they, he owns them. So he just digs around or whatever, reads stuff. And the other thing he does is he writes the most important 10 seconds in America, at least at the time, you know, every year, you know, will Donald Trump ever stop tweeting? We'll find out Sunday on 60 Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, right? Because he knows, and I think I have the same thing Don Hewitt has. Why so I love him so much? I'm like, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I know, and he knows what America likes. well he can say it in a simple way, like nobody else can. You know, and it's because I grew up in Spokane, which is like basically small town USA with a West Coast kind of cool. right? It's big enough to kind of close enough to Seattle and Portland, and Vancouver and San Francisco, the world where I, where I get the coolness of that. You and I both do. Right. There's, think about the people have come out of where we've grown up. That's another podcast. But there's some amazing people, including some of the best writers in this country, have come out of this town. And it's not an accident. It's because we understand what America likes. We can talk to somebody from Iowa or you know, anywhere and, and relate and get along. And we can also sit down at the White House and, have, you know, state dinner and handle ourselves. I mean, we can understand New York and you can make it in Philly and D.C. And we can also just the with anybody in Wilbur, Wilbur, Washington farm. Swear to God, which I did.
0: Well, you know, I agree with you, Frank. It's kind of one of the reasons I always thought it was amazing that Spokane was one of the cities that many different, you know, major brands, you know, from, you know, potato chips to cereals to, you know, new kinds of sodas, you know, test market in Spokane. It's, you know, this kind of... Yeah, strange uh, corner of America that seems to work well. So, yeah, I get it, and I can see how this makes sense with uh, you know the same kind of vision that uh, that he had as well.
1: Uh, There's something about that. And Don Hewitt had that thing, and everybody hated him. But guess what? He did the three things he loved and was best at. That didn't seem like work. That's his whole freaking thing. Three things on his list. They're all circles. That's my dream. I want to get to that. I'm at like seven circles, six circles, and two pluses. Pretty good.
0: You know, Frank, I get it, and you know, it's part of uh, you know even the struggle I face. You know, making the decision to to speak and to write and to pursue this on my own is is the realization of you know what I do well, and also the 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 clear realization of what I don't do well, and you know how do I then bring people onto my team, which I'm in the process of doing right now, that have the strengths that I don't. Because if there's one thing I've learned, is that you know there's you can try and fix your weaknesses, or you can just try to play to your strengths. I don't have enough time left in my life to fix all my
1: weaknesses. Oh my god, you're my hero! You're so my hero. I swear to God. So you know, and I facilitate this with all kinds of groups, and we. And the and the best part of this, okay, this is the secret you got to do when you're done with that. Not only do you have to do that, right? But we do a little section on why do I? What's missing? I wish I had. What What do I don't have that I wish I had? Sometimes that's time. Tell when we do that list with a group and there's a boss there and their employees are there, I wish I had more money. It's never a part of that, but it usually isn't. <laughs> right? So we, we identify the things we don't have and then we flip them and we put our order in with the cosmic waitress or waiter.
0: <laughs> I love it. Explain that. So
1: my theory is, and this I stole this from a, a lady, I, I should be giving her credit and I don't know it, but she, please look her up. She's fan. Just type cosmic waitress. I can't remember her name. She's fantastic. She wrote this great little sort of short story piece on putting your order with a cosmic waitress or waiter. And the key to it is when you and I go in and we order a bar, we go to a bar, right? We go to Jack and Dan's in Spokane, which is one of the best bars in the world. When we go in there and I order a black and tan, I never doubt that it's going to show up. It's always going to show up. We don't even think about it. We're like, yeah, we're the really beer. We don't figure it out. We don't think about it. It shows up, right? I think all the stuff in our life that we let show up shows up. Everything we ask for and we want and we write down and we put into existence and we are intentional about shows up. And so you make a list of the stuff that you wish you had. You put your order in as if it's going to show up. Like I'm just like I'm ordering a beer. Put that order. Put your cosmic waitress order down. Okay. Put your cosmic order in. And I. I it is amazing. I'm not kidding. How many of those things? Almost all of them come true for everybody that I've done this with and taken taking them through this.
0: Yeah, I get it. I, you know, kind of the concept of the secret. You know, I was uh, I loved that book. And I, I still believe the same thing.
1: Phenomenal, right? But I do this all the time. And what we tend to do, right, when we want something is we, we even write it down. But then we try to go like if it's a beer, we would like try to go behind the bar and pour it ourselves. And then we would pull, you know, we'd write up the ticket and we'd bring it out to ourselves. You know, we try to do all the work. It's like, don't do it. Say what you want. Let it go and just do your stuff and let it show up.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: And too many of us, particularly, you know, those of us who have been successful and do stuff, we try to figure it all out and do it ourselves. Don, Hewitt never figured that out. He was just like, i want to go. I don't know what, I want. It's what I'm going to do. I trust people to figure it out. They'll, I'll challenge them. They'll get it done. Right. You got to put your order in and you got to let it come true. And honestly, never number one is money on that list. It's always seven or eight, but the experience of what it's like for that group, particularly with a with a manager and their team, to see what that list is and for somebody that, that runs an organization to see their team and really know honestly what they want, is phenomenal. And usually number one's like, I want a space heater at my desk.
0: Isn't it amazing? You know, the simple things, a, a coffee maker, a space heater, a window in my office.
1: Right. We need a better coffee pot, coffee maker. Or the other one that's the, I did this with a big uh, multinational one of the biggest construction companies in the world that we we do work with, Stantech MWH in, in Denver, Broomfield, Colorado. One of their execs is fantastic. Her name's Faith. She's phenomenal. She went on paternity leave. She, she, she did her list, and her number one thing was I want a window in my office. And she calls me with her first day back. I'm like, You okay? What's going on, Faith? What's up? She's like, I just want to tell you, my order came true. I got a new office.
0: And sometimes you know, it's the simplest things, but you know, it's the importance of not only asking for it, but for leaders to listen.
1: Those are the things that matter the most to people that we don't acknowledge. And and they start to snowball once you get that those little things, and it's like, well, how I want to travel internationally. I want to work, you know, in our offices around the world. I want to I want to do those things. And and you look back someday. My wife and I did this the first time on our our personal lives, which I do a lot with friends too. It's awesome beyond work. You can do this for your personal life. You know, I want a boyfriend. Whatever. You know, you can you can do t- it. Works. And and my wife and I, we made this list of about thirty things right before we got married, and we look back a year and a half later, and, and twenty eight of the thirty things that happened, including going to Greece. Which neither of us planned. And we went because of, for work, you know. So it was like, I didn't even got paid for.
0: Yeah, I don't, I think that most people, they think it, but they maybe don't necessarily believe it. It's kind of that sense of, you know, how much power do I really
1: have? I mean, if there's one thing that, that you know, we have the power to do, it's we have the power to change a lot of the stuff that we do. And and no matter where you're at. And, and the big thing I always do when I tell this with the group is that the, the manager person calls me along and goes, I'm really worried about all people. Like they're going to quit or they're not going to come back here or they're going to, I'm going to see their list and they're going to go, uh oh, you know, (laughs) why am I working here? Right. My answer to that is that it never happens, right, for one. And if it does happen, it should. And this is the best form for that to happen because you've been honest and it's out in the open and hey, let's find a great way for you to get what you want. And maybe that's over here, either inside the organization in a different way or will help you transition to someplace that you shouldn't because that conflict has been killing all of us anyway. And we all know it. So it's a really cool way for that to happen. And I've seen really miracles happen. The other one that I notice a lot is, particularly for a young manager, young person who's trying to manage in the team, their list is not three like Doug Hewitt's, it's 23. And they got like one or two circles.
0: And let me guess, everything is important to them.
1: It's like, why are you trying to impress all of us by doing, you know, a crapload of stuff that nobody really, that you should not be doing because it's not your real It's not what you're good at.
0: Yeah, I, I get it. And I, and I know I had to look at that for myself at different points of my career. Uh, You know, it's interesting. And I alluded to this a little earlier, you know, where I am with my business right now is I think somewhere in my head, I thought, you know, I'm going to become a speaker and a podcast host and write, and you know, I can just be a one woman show, but Well, and and is that a
1: circle, a plus or a minus for you, the securing of those?
0: I think that's the reality. You know, the first time you and I visited about this, I really sat down and said, you know, where are my strengths? And my strengths are in writing and in the interview process and in speaking. But my strengths aren't in tweeting constantly every day and and following up on all these other items. My strengths lie elsewhere. So I need to make sure that uh, I have my face in the right direction.
1: Right. And there's a crap of stuff I love to do that I shouldn't be. I mean, my list is still seven you know, eight things and I needed to be, and I'm, it's so funny you say that because I am at the same point you are. (laughs) Like we're, we're, you know, experiencing a pretty good jump in growth here and we're busy and, you know, it's fun and everything we work on is awesome and it's been, we've done incredible work, but I can't keep, I can't, I'm, because of that, my time becomes more in demand and I get stressed in and, you know, I want to see my wife (laughs) and my family and my kids. And that's really important to me, and so I'm in the same process right now, of trying to find that awesome person that can take the things that I can do and and I actually love, but I, but I shouldn't that aren't the highest and best use of my time, and and be my you know kind of partner in crime and trying to figure out how to make all this stuff go because I'm still going to weigh in right, but if I can be more surgical about it and and unless and you know and that's what i do as a, as a creative director when i when i added a we added a show most everything that everything that goes out of here 95 percent of the time i see before it goes out and that's just something that's important to all of us is that that felt that fil- my little filter comes in and i might change one little edit and move one little thing that not everybody might notice but you do notice and i know you notice because that's what i do and it's simple for me that's a really important filter, and my team now is becoming to a point where, when I watch that stuff back, I don't change anything anymore. And it's like whoa! So I can surgically be I'm surgical with my time which is how we edit, and the story piece gets done right. I got to do that now with all the other things in the front end of my job, including running a business that are that are you know that are occupying my time, and we can't grow if my list is too long. You know, and I think you're, you're at that right, that same place. And it's hard for us, hardworking Catholic kids, you know, Jesuit kids who think, you know, we can do it. I know,
0: I know we've been taught, we've been raised, do it all, do it all on your shoulders. But you're right. I think it's really important to recognize that if we're smarter about business, we realize that just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. Especially if there's people who can do it better. I don't have time to learn all the nuances of social media and I don't have time to, you know, run around and learn about every platform on, you know, WordPress to understand how to manage my websites. I need to have people do those things. I if I don't, all I'll be is stuck in the minutia.
1: <laughs> right. We gotta let it right, we gotta let it go. It's that Catholic guilt. Oh my god.
0: Well, Frank, this has just been a pleasure. We've had so much material here. I bet you I can't fit it all in one podcast. But I'm really thankful to have had you as a guest. And, um, you know, any last thoughts that you want to share with my listeners before we go?
1: This has been fun. I appreciate the time. I think if I had one little last story to tell, it's it, it, it's about um, this great, I, can't, I don't know the guy is, I'm so bad at, at this. But he came on Charlie Rose, I want to say 10 or 15 years ago. I love watching Charlie Rose, you know. Um, and, and God, I hope Charlie makes it another day. He's looking pretty old. I'm just saying. Okay. But, but he's brilliant. And, and the show is great, right? And I would kill to be on that show. I'd love to be on the show. Um, but this guy was this international man of business intrigue, right? He's like brokered all these huge freaking deals you know he's one of these the guy that comes in and kind of closes stuff and he's sort of this interesting wild character and you know doesn't really wear a tie you know and, but he's he swims in all these huge circles and, and gets these things done and he's like how do you get what you get done but but i just will never forget watching this being transfixed by it going that's what i do I, like i'm going to take this advice and he goes well i'm I got, I kind of, there was a turning point about 35 years old where I was working with this mentor and I kind of met this guy and he's like, kid, come here, look it, you got to change how you're doing this, you know, because you're working way too hard. <laughs> you have to work so hard because there's three things you need to know. He said, first thing is, these are the three rules about, about being able to do the business that he's in, which I find myself jumping in and out of the times and you probably do too. And he says, um, first, the first rule is don't go into the office till noon. <laughs>
0: yeah, if only. Like,
1: right? All business gets done over beers and drinks and food and, you know, at, at night. I mean, it's what, right? It does. I mean, it's so true. I just experienced that last week with a client. And we, we had an awesome dinner and we got more done at the dinner than we did on any of the meetings that we had the day before or whatever. That's where things get kind of fun. So don't go to the office till noon, right? It was number one. Second one is business is fun.
0: It is fun. It's it absolutely fun.
1: fun. Like, this is fun. It shouldn't be you know, (laughs) drag you down and uh, beat you up. It's fun, right? And he goes, and the third one is the third one that I learned from this guy that I never realized. Uh, He goes, the third thing you need to know, kid, is women love sex as much as men.
0: You did not just say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. Uh, So there's my parting shot. I can't be too serious, sir. (laughs) that is
0: awesome (laughs) it seems like i should say tell me more
1: (laughs) i won't have you say any more my friend
0: frank it has absolutely been a pleasure and i know that people can reach you at uh, on your website at uh, cornerboothmedia.com correct
1: yeah yeah Cornerboothmedia.com, pretty easy and i do have a twitter handle at frank swoboda which is which is you know with, they figure out how to spell my name. That's the hardest part. So.
0: This was great. <laughs> I'm really glad I had you on my show.
1: Well, oh, the, the last thing is, I'm just, I want to say how proud of you I am for, for everything you've done. And it's been amazing to watch just in the time that we worked with you, just how freaking fast you go, girl. It's like, dude, you Good morning, America. Over here, and you too. I mean, you know, hanging out with Robin Roberts, and you're and you're making all this stuff go, and you've got a podcast now, and you, you know you got sixty people lined up for it, and I'm re- lucky to be one of the top ten. That's so cool, but but just how, all and all the people you're helping, the impact you're having, and and it really isn't about us, is it? I mean, it's really about. I mean, as soon as that flips too, I think that's the other big biggest learning thing is when when you when you flip your your world to. To do something for other somebody else, it does totally come back way more, and you you do that I mean everything you're about is that i just I just want to tell you how proud of you I am and I promise that's the last nice thing i say
0: i'm glad thank <laughs> you I appreciate it i I love what I do i'm glad it comes across that way, and I just am so happy to have had you on my podcast
1: cool. okay cool i want to re- I want a recurring role I'm telling you.
0: deal <laughs> <laughs> can't tell you how much I enjoyed this this talk with one of my good friends, Frank Swoboda from Corner Booth Media. And if you want to learn more about what we talked about in the first half, you'll find his first recording on any of my iTunes apps where I appear. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcast apps, you can find me there. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.